0: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you now that we can look to you. We recognize there is no more appropriate moment to listen to you speak to us than after we have just worshipped you and acknowledged that you are the Lord. You are the one who watches over us. You are the one who has prepared for this moment in our lives. So you are the one we want to hear from. So, Father, open our hearts, open our minds, free our wills to hear your word and and just to grab a hold of it, to take it to heart and be blessed by it. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for the sake of his church on this earth. Amen. Amen. Now, two weeks ago, as we began the countdown toward our new church year, which is now only two weeks away, our sign-up Sunday, and of course our whole new congregation will be put together and recognized by the first Sunday in March, but that first Sunday in February is our, our public demonstration Sunday, and it's a great moment. It'll be the 29th time that Sun Life Community Church has been rediscovered as we progress with our one year renewable membership concept what a what a delight that is to just know we start over our word last week john was what resilient he reminded me of that right before the service resilient we we live that out on a yearly basis and so 2 weeks ago we began the countdown Toward our new church year and toward the discovery of that new Sun Life congregation. And as we did so, we began a new sermon series, just a short one. Just going to take us through this membership time. But we call it People to Live With. That's what a church congregation is. We don't live with each other 24-7. But when we come together... There is a life that we share. When we meet in our cell groups during the week, when we see one another in the stores, wherever it might be, and you say, there's, there's a, one of my church members, there's one of my fellows, maybe I sit right near them, there's a sense that we share life together. These are the people to live with. And so my focus in this short series of messages is upon you. How many of you have ever felt on a Sunday morning while I'm preaching up here that I'm targeting you? (laughs) Well, yeah, the camera's at our house. Were you walking around looking in our windows? You know, how did you know that? Why did you talk about that? Well, let me just tell you, these weeks, you're the target. (laughs) I am focused on you, but I'm rejoicing in you, not trying to find all your issues that uh, you hope I didn't know about. You see, our focus in this short little series, the people we live with, is upon the people who make up the congregation that meets every Sunday right here in this place. And let me tell you right off the bat, my point of view. You are people that I can live with, and worship with, and delight in. So here's our series Key Scripture, that allows me to look at you this way. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and he wrote these words 2,000 years ago, but it's equally true of our congregation right here today. Here's what he said, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you, you, plural, you are the body of Christ, singular. In this case, Sun Life Community Church. You, together, form the body of Christ and each of you is part of it. Could have said a special part of it, an important part of it, an essential part of it. As Paul would say in another place in the body of Christ, the ear can't say to the foot, I don't need you and all of the parts of the body are essential and all together we make up this local body of Christ. Together we create a unique expression of Christ himself in this fallen, sin-filled world of ours. So the question is, what kind of people are we? What are some of the noticeable characteristics? And as I announced a few weeks ago, just to have a little twist on this series, we are R people. Letter R people. Capital R People. That is, we are people whose distinctive characteristics, at least the ones I'm going to mention, all begin with the letter R. So far we've discovered the people who make up Sun Life Community Church are reborn people. And we've discovered that the people who make up Sun Life Community Church, as uh, John Walker reminded me before the service, are resilient people. Today, we come to the third. Today's key identification is this. The people who make up Sun Life Community Church are responsive people. Every now and then I get you to respond. In your hearts, happens all the time, doesn't it? Responsive people. And here's what you, they, if we're talking about uh, all of us together, they, these people who make up Sun Life Community Church, they respond to the word of God. And they respond to the call of Christ. And they respond to the nudges of Numa. And they respond eagerly and joyfully. I'm sharing that as our testimony. And I believe it. What a characteristic that is. To be responsive people, those who respond to the word of God, to the call of Christ, and to the nudge or the nudges of Numa, the spirit of God himself. This morning I want us to just talk a little bit about each one of those three responses. First off, you, you people out here, you are responsive to God's word. Just, Just say that inside your own heart. Just say, I am responsive to God's word. I desire it. Desire to hear it. Desire to learn about it. This whole congregation has demonstrated it's that way over this past year and over years prior to this one. You see, you as a people... You take the counsel of the Apostle Peter to heart. Here's what Peter said way, way back in the first century, 1 Peter two two. He says, like newborn babes, crave. That really means desire. Pure spiritual milk. And that doesn't mean the baby teachings. It means the entire word of God should be viewed as pure spiritual milk. Something that can can cause us to grow, become strong, and we should desire that as much as a newborn baby desires its milk every two hours. You, you are eager to hear and understand. Indeed, you are, you have been, you know so. Now, some of you have been around for quite a while, and especially any of you who have been in any cell group that I've taught, that you've been with me, you've probably heard me make this statement. We don't have any old people in this church. You say, is he blind? We don't have any old people in this church. And then I would quickly say, here's what I mean by that. We don't have any of those typical old people that you find in some churches who know it all, who have heard it all, and who feel that they are in the church purely to guard it all. Those kind of old folks, we don't have any of them. Our oldest members, just like our youngest members, are eager to hear more and grow more. I've been amazed by that from the very beginning. Some of you I've watched grow old, at least older and and your desire your desire for the word of god your desire to learn more to discuss it to apply it to get it into your life is, is just amazing for me as a pastor it's a you know it's just something that uh, is a blessing that few actually enjoy we together we together as we sit shoulder to shoulder, the older and the younger. We've discovered some things these last few years. We've adopted some understandings in the past few years that have turned our Christian lives upside down. There are those of you in this church who've been in churches a long, long time who just a few years ago said, my my whole understanding of the Christian life has changed since I've discovered the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just truths that I have in my head, but something is stirring in my heart and is so real in my day-to-day life that it's almost like I've been born again, all over again. We've discovered some things regarding the day-to-day living of the Christian life that's been revolutionary to many. We spent time going through the red-letter teachings of Jesus himself and discovered what our Savior really taught and what it really means and how challenging and awesome a life those teachings generate when we follow them. We've had to lay aside some long-held impressions and we've had to take up some much more biblically correct ones. And that we have done simply because you've been responsive to the word of God. So together we've taken Peter's counsel to heart. When I take my place up here on a Sunday morning as I'm doing right now, following our worship time, I look out and I see a a look of expectation on your faces. Again and again and again. You have a hunger and a thirst and a desire for the word of God. Peter, if he were here, would be delighted. Here's something else we can say. You agree... Not only, you not only follow what Peter suggested, you take his counsel, but you agree with the assessment of the Apostle Paul. Here's what Paul said about this word of God that that you uh, desire. He says, talking to Timothy, he says, Timothy, from infancy, since you were a little boy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. The Word of God teaches us stuff. How to be saved. What it means to be saved. How to get our lives in in line with what God's will is. And as a result, our lives become really worth living. You see the Word of God the same way Paul did. It brings wisdom and understanding. It provides perspective for living. It raises our eyes above the day-to-day happenings, it enables us to look at both our world and our lives through God's eyes. We together, we together develop what we could call a biblical world view that reveals the perspectives of men to be both arbitrary and temporary. So in a word, as I look at you, as I think about you, as I want to describe you, I say you are eager to apply the word of God and grow into maturity. You respond to the word of God. You truly desire it. You want to live by it. Now, that response all by itself. If we could just say we have a church like that. We have a congregation like that. That would be enough to just be amazing. Amazing. Just to say, to make this a special place and you a special people, to say you respond to the word of God. Stands all by itself. As a unique thing. Because for so many, in so many places in our word, world, the Word of God has been laid aside and the words and ideas of men have become prominent. Not with you. If I came up here on a Sunday morning and said we're starting a series of messages, I I found a neat book. It's got a lot of humor in it, got a lot of stories. It's actually the story of a famous ball player and and we're just going to go through this line by line I could probably empty out this place. At that point. you'd say, "Hey, that's not what we do here. That's not what we're about. You mean, you're not going to be teaching the Word of God. We're not going to be reading it, studying it, discussing it. You're, you're going to bring up some kind of interesting story that might get us laughing and might get us thinking a little. No, see, we're, we're not like that place. You're not those people. You respond to God's word. And you want to have God's word to respond to. You desire that. Secondly, in this list that we're giving, you are responsive to Christ's call. And by that I include, you understand Christ's call. If we went through our country today, even if we went through many churches today, and if we were to ask the people sitting there, what would you say the call of Christ is? You would get a far different answer than what the Bible actually says. Christ's call is, you know, to, for salvation. Christ's call is to get, uh, get things uh, forgiven. What exactly is Christ's call? You here understand it. These are words that reverberate in your ear and resonate in your heart. We find them in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus speaking, red letters. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's Christ's call. That's what the Bible says. Now, let me just tell you, those words are fighting words to many today, even to many who are found in churches, many who define themselves as Christian, many who have been told that God loves them just as they are, and therefore they think it doesn't matter if they stay just as they are. After all, They would say they have a life to live. They are the ones who know best how to live it. They're grateful that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, but their life is their life. And they're the only one who really knows what's best for them, what they need, how they should go about meeting those needs. So these words of Jesus, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, these words are problematic to many in our day. Even as they were problematic in the day that Jesus first spoke them. But here's the deal. They're not problematic to you, are they? You know what Christ calls to you too. You know what his words say. You have to come to grips with that, and you have. And so we look at what it says here. Deny yourself, Jesus says. That means set selfish concerns aside. Now, nothing could be more clear or more reasonable than that. That's the fundamental directive of the one we call Lord. If he's Lord, then he's in charge. If he's Lord, then he directs our lives. It makes the most sense in the world that there can only be one Lord in one's life. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, when we accept him into our lives as our Savior and Lord, we lay aside our own ownership of ourselves. Our lives belong to him. We, you, here in this place, understand that you know that the call of Christ is a call to surrender of self to him. As the Apostle Paul said one time, I'm crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I'm no longer running my own life. I'm no longer making my own choices. I'm no longer deciding my own steps. I, the me, the self, has been crucified with Christ, and that part of me is as good as dead. It's Christ who lives in me. That's creating my current identity. It's that Spirit of God who has been given to me, my the Father and the Son, who begins to shape me into the very image of Christ, and it's that that I am pursuing. I could say, and my opinion no longer matters. Deny self. It's the very first step in a genuine commitment to Christ. And I am so grateful that you here in this place know that. And then Jesus says, take up your cross. This too you've come to understand it does not mean pick up the burdens of life and push on. Oh, it's my cross to bear. We say when there's some circumstance in our life, that's what people say. That isn't what Jesus meant. And you know that's not what Jesus meant. He's not talking about some cross to bear. We know, you in this place know, that that directive, take up your cross, means be ready. Be ready at any moment to put to death things that dishonor Christ or exalt self over Christ that have snuck into your life. Keep a cross handy. You will need to use it often. That's why, ever since I preached that message, and Linda bought me this very nice cross made out of three nails. To wear it as much as I can to remind myself, not that Jesus died on the cross. Not that I have a cross to bear. Life is tough and you've got to just bear up under it. No, this cross is to say, Mark, you're probably going to need this several times today. There are things still in your life that need to be put to death. If you're going to follow Christ if you're going to allow him to be the lead of your life, if you're going to be faithful to, the, to his Holy Spirit who opens up truth to you, you're going to need this because you're going to discover stuff that just needs to be put to death. Every now and then stuff will pop out of you that you need to nail to the cross. Now, I'm not sure where to put that part of me that called John Dave. That John, we've been together for 45 years, Don and John and Linda and me. And I look back at the back of the church and, and say, Dave. I'd like to put that to death. If I could just find that part of me. And let me tell you, I did stuff like that when I was 25. So don't say he's starting to lose it. <laughs> I remember once my first year in the ministry, 25 years old, I stood up on a <laughs> I stood up on a Christmas morning and said, "Happy Easter." <laughs> I knew it was a holiday. Everybody thought I did that for laughs. I'm only a 25-year-old kid right out of seminary. Doesn't have brain problems. <clears throat> I frequently do that. John, if I could find that little part, I'd just nail it, right here at the cross. But there's other things that are a little bit more serious than that in all of our lives, right? And so Jesus says, deny yourself, but it doesn't mean self isn't going to sneak back in and some of our weaknesses won't show back up and some of our problems might not emerge again and somebody else might stimulate things in us we don't want to have stimulated, but there they are. Jesus said, and remember, take up your cross because there will be things that need to be put to death once they show themselves. Don't find them attractive again. Don't find them as something you'd like to pursue once more. Or try for the first time. If it's not matching up with the word of God and the purposes of Christ, and it snuck in somehow, put it to death. Take up your cross as often as you need to. And then he said, follow me. Follow me. This is the aspect of the call that leads to abundant and joyful and Christ-honoring living. And you have come to accept that. You know that following Jesus, that Jesus, the Bible says, left us an example that we should walk in his steps. And so you make becoming like Jesus the ultimate object of your life. You make walking in his footsteps and following his example and obeying his teachings the agenda for your life you've become attracted to the red letter scriptures those words that came from jesus himself you recognize there's a unique ring of truth emanating from them now granted The steps that Jesus laid down are 2,000 years old. But the amazing thing is, they remain clearly visible. He is not hard to track. Can't see him. He passed this way a long, long time ago. But he's not hard to follow. He's not hard to track. His steps are there, and the Holy Spirit points them out to us. And we have heard his call. And we, you, you understand his call and what it means. And you've responded to his call. And I know sometimes it can be frustrating to be in conversation with other believers who really have never actually heard Christ's call upon their life at all. And to not, do not understand there's any more to the Christian life than just praying a prayer that says... Father, forgive me, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And when you're with them, and your heart goes out to them, you want to be able to say to them, there's so much more to the Christian life than that. And we have discovered over the last, well, now it's the last seven or eight years, really, what some of that something more is. And here's the third response that we as a congregation have been making together, you, you are responsive to Numa's nudges. You count on them. He is the voice of God in your life today. He, You are learning to hear and heed his voice. You've come to rely upon what you now understand is the absolute fundamental reality of the Christian life. And let me just say this. I'll say it right in here because I really believe you will understand this. The fundamental reality of the Christian life is not accepting Jesus as your Savior. That's the beginning of the Christian life. That's what God has provided. That is the incredible sacrifice made for you. And and as the Spirit brings new life to us, we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. It's absolutely fundamental. But the reality, the fundamental reality of the Christian life is how that life comes to be. How we follow then this one that we call Savior and Lord. How do we follow this one who died on the cross for us? This son of God who even now is in heaven ministering powerfully on our behalf. What is the fundamental truth of the Christian life that we're living? And that fundamental reality is the reality of the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself And the heavenly Father himself sent into this world, not for a couple of years, not for even 30 years, but to be in this world with the body of Christ until Christ himself returns and brings it home. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God who has been given to every single one of you. And and we've come to to begin to embrace that, to know that, to experience that. I remember a few years ago, an 80-plus-year-old man in our church who began to just let some of these truths... He had been a a believer his entire life. And 80-plus, he sat here, and one Sunday just said, I knew... I knew there had to be more to the Christian life than just believing a set of stuff and trying to form a personal relationship with one who isn't actually even here anymore and then he discovered the Almighty God in the person of the Holy Spirit who is here and is with him and his heart and his mind at 80 plus we're open to that and he said it's it's like <laughs> I knew there had to be more and there is more there's the Christian life that's what's more you see the sacrifice of Christ is an action of history the living of the Christian life is a reality of our day-by-day existence And it's the Holy Spirit who brings that reality. You can't be a Christian successfully. You can't live the Christian life with any sense of joy and peace and goodness without the Holy Spirit being the one that you're acknowledging. He is God sent to be with you. And we know that. We're learning what that means and how that feels. You see, this is exactly what Jesus promised. That is very seldom talked about in a lot of places. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, He said, I will ask the Father, and He will send you another companion to be with you forever. Now, that's right in the context where Jesus was telling his disciples he was leaving them. You know, you and I have never known what it is like to live with Jesus on a day-by-day basis. Jesus' disciples were the only ones... Whoever knew that, experienced that. And for all the millions of Christians who have spent their life trying to imagine that, and then wondering why their Christian life isn't everything the Bible seems to indicate it ought to be. Where's the abundancy? Where's the fruit of the Spirit? Where, where's all these wonderful things? Where is this sense of fellowship with God while we just fellowship with doctrinal statements all day long? You see, the disciples who are the only ones who ever knew a relationship with Jesus on a day-by-day basis. They heard his voice. They watched him minister. They experienced his care and concern personally. And they knew, they were the only ones who ever knew what, it would, what they would be losing if he were to go away. And so only they knew fully what he was saying when he said, Another, another divinely sent companion would be given to them. They were the only ones who had ever experienced the first one and knew what life would be like without him in their midst. And before they panic beyond uh, an ability to recover, Jesus said, but I, though I'm going away, and it's for your good I'm going away, I will pray to the Father and he will send you another one like me. The Spirit of God himself. And he will be with you forever, not just for three years. Forever. And he will be with all of you at the same time, no matter where you are. You can count on that. And so he said, this one called spirit, in the Greek language, the word pneuma, he would be everything to them that Jesus had been to them now we know nothing about what it would be like to walk with Jesus every day to wake up and have Jesus right there to head out for your day's work and have Jesus right there the sad thing is so many Christians try to pretend he is and then they live their life all day trying to imagine Imagine a reality that doesn't exist. Imagine something that will get them through the day. Imagine something because somebody told them that or they saw a picture one time that had Jesus with a little child and it's like, you know, I just, I just can almost feel him holding me. And yet Jesus himself said, I can't do that. I'm not going to be here to do that, fellas. Fellas. But I'll tell you what, I'm sending one, I'm sending a a part of the almighty God himself who will be with you in a way that I could myself never have been with you. And it's going to be wonderful. And the more we discover that, The more we come to grips with that, the more we understand that's the fundamental reality of the day-by-day Christian life. It's the Almighty God with us. We are not left alone. We are not comfortless. And it's not that Jesus is walking with us. It's that the Spirit he sent is consuming us and fills every moment of our day and from wall to wall of every place we've been and provides grace in abundance for all that we need and we begin to say, wow, I feel like I'm moving from believing truths to experiencing God. You. So many of you, if not all of you, have responded in recent days to the Holy Spirit and to the relationship that he desires to have with each one of you. We, we say the Holy Spirit doesn't bowl you over like hit you in the head with a baseball bat. There are times we might wish he would. I've used, in this, I've used this word now for years. He nudges us. He nudges us. He doesn't control us because the Bible says we, in a sense, can control him. We can grieve him. We can disappoint him. He can nudge and we can tighten our back. We can hear his voice and we can say, over my dead body. So that's a relationship. But people rejected Jesus too. But when we don't reject him, when we follow his lead when we let him just kind of nudge us in a new direction each day and and we walk in that new path and we discover there there's blessing there there's joy there there's purpose there the Holy Spirit is guiding our lives and he brings the power of God into us and so we have zeroed in on that Greek word that is the word for spirit and just said he is Noma, the spirit. And he's alive and real and personal and not just a power of God, but a person. And so we we sense there's something going on in our lives more than us just believing biblical truth. There's the presence of God with us. And I've learned, even though the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will remind us of everything that Jesus has said, one of the ways the Holy Spirit reminds us of everything Jesus has said is the Holy Spirit arranged for everything that Jesus said of import to be written down. We have Jesus' words in this book. We can read them and read them and read them. And yes, Numa can say to us, that, that was Jesus. Jesus wants us to do that. Jesus wants you to follow that. But the words have been preserved and we have them. We can read them and remind ourselves of what Jesus said. What the Spirit does, I've discovered, He doesn't necessarily just pop scriptures into our mind all through the day. What He does is we're living our lives and he kind of nudges us to do stuff to respond to people to go here and be involved in some situation it's more like he's telling us and showing us and leading us even as Jesus went through the world just ministering to people and entering into situations and having an impression that I ought to That's the Holy Spirit just nudging you in that direction. Not just teaching us great theological truths, though he teaches us in those things as well. He opens up the word of God to us, but he he directs us day by day. And it begins to feel like we're actually involved in something. With God. And it's an awesome way to live. And so Paul, Paul said something here to the Galatians responding to this relationship with the Spirit. He says, Galatians 5.16, he says, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is how these couple of things fit together. The more I live by the Spirit, the less I need this cross. Paul says, if I live by the Spirit, let Him actually put the air into my lungs that I'm breathing, put the thoughts into my mind that I'm thinking, guide me on the path that I ought to be on, there is less and less and less attraction to the things of the world. There's less and less old stuff in me that starts popping up. I say, boy, I've got to put that to death. I can't let that start running around in my mind or heart. No, Paul says the Spirit almost acts as a filter. He says, you live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature because he's so much more attractive than that stuff is. The abundant life that Jesus came to provide is so much more satisfying than the stuff of the world. And so the Holy Spirit, he is repulsed by the desires of the sinful nature, and as we walk with him, we become repulsed by them too. One last thing. Here's a final thing you have no doubt begun to experience as we respond to Numa's nudges. Here's what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 19, getting his disciples ready for this, for the work of the Spirit. He says, do not worry about what to say or how to say it, you will be given what to say, for it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And what happens there, what frequently happens in a life situation where ultimately we, we think we're going to have to say something, do something, respond to somebody in a way and we want, we want to do it in a Christ-like way, what happens, I believe, more often than not, Numa, the Spirit of God, stirs the right feelings in our heart. He stirs the right feelings in our hearts and those feelings that are stirred in our heart put the words in our mouth. Feelings of compassion and concern. Feelings of confidence and hope. Feelings of love and forgiveness. And as he stirs our heart with those kinds of Christ-like feelings, when we open our mouth in a situation, those feelings generate words appropriate. Jesus said one time, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People often use words to try to convince other people that they have a good heart. Jesus said, when your heart is right. In fact, no matter what's in your heart, your mouth will speak it. I'm saying the Holy Spirit works on the heart. He puts the right thoughts, the right feelings into our heart in a given situation. And then when we walk into that situation, words come. Words consistent with what's in our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when that happens, our words come across as genuine rather than scripted. That's numa at work. Oh, what an amazing thing to, to be responsive to God's word, to be responsive to Christ's call, to be responsive to Numa's nudges whenever they come. Our final thought says this, blessed indeed. Blessed indeed is a church body that's composed of people who respond eagerly and obediently to God's word and to Christ's call and to Numa's nudge. Sun Life Community Church is composed of such responsive people. People to live with, Isn't that true? I don't care where I am on the face of the earth. If somebody asks me about the church that I'm part of, pardon this, I'm going to brag on you. (laughs) Paul says, if anybody boasts, boast in the Lord. Well, let's boast in what the Lord is doing in our midst. I look upon you. I see you week by week. I see you through the course of your lives. I've seen many in this church come to the end of their lives fully confident that the Spirit of God is just taking them that final step into the presence of their, their trustworthy Heavenly Father. You are people I can live with. And I hope we get to do it for another year together. Two weeks from today we'll have a chance to say so. Heavenly Father, I know you love Christ's church. I know that you sent Jesus to be the firstborn of many, many brothers and sisters, a whole family of God. And Father, of course, standing here today, we, we can't speak for any other church anywhere, any other body of people anywhere. We don't know other than glimpses of other places, other things, other people. But Father, this we know. This we know. We know what we're seeking to be. We know what we're making progress in. I know when I stand here and look at these people that it's the word of God they want to hear. It's the call of Christ they want to heed. And it's the Spirit of God that they want to companion them every single day. And Father, I praise you for that. Pray your blessing upon them this coming week now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.